So I think you're one of the few players that is going to travel uh, yeah. with the with the national team. What are your expectations? You're playing, for example, Honduras, Canada, and El Salvador. Yeah. So three very important uh, games for us, and our goal to obviously qualify for the World Cup. Um, you know, we have a, a lot of young, talented players that are going to be there. So we just have to continue uh, with the consistent performance. But it's good to go home and play in the states, represent your country is a huge honor. So I look forward to it. Live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. And just like Tyler Adams, we are in World Cup qualifier mode. Or Herc, as you put it in our production meeting earlier today, fight week. Fight week. We're going to get one of those nifty blankets that Tyler Adams has. I just noticed he was oh, warming that blanket. I could use that, especially in Columbus. You know what? I would love nothing more than to get rid of you. So I'll send you to Germany to be a Bundesliga sideline reporter. And then we both solve our problems. You get the blanket, and maybe I get a new co-host here Danke. on Football Americas. That's just the start of the fighting on today's show, which, of course, <laughs> you can listen back to in podcast form, available in the ESPN FC feed, wherever you download your podcast. Plenty coming up on today's show. We got Hugo Perez, who's going to join us a little bit later on. Of course, former U.S. men's national team player, now in charge of El Salvador. So he'll have a great perspective, a unique perspective, Herc, ahead of this game on Thursday. We're also sounding some panic alarms down in Liga MX, even though we're just three weeks into the season, especially you with your alarmista ways. We're also looking ahead to Mexico against Jamaica Thursday uh, in Kingston and a interview one-on-one Sam Borden and Matt Turner. But right now, let's start the show by welcoming in our good friend Taylor Twelman. He will be on the call Thursday from Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, alongside John Champion as the United States faces off against El Salvador. Guys, we've had now three, four days really to to let it all sink in as Greg Berhalter uh, announced his 28-man list for these three games, which of course start in Northeast Ohio in just a few days' time. Interesting list here as we look at it, right? Uh, of course, we got El Salvador home Thursday, then away to Canada, then home against Honduras. That's next Wednesday. Of the list, 15 players, guys, based in Europe, 13 in Major League Soccer. I think all the big names pretty much in, with the exception of Gio Reyna. He's still out injured. Uh, John Brooks as well, but we'll, we'll save him because we're definitely going to discuss John Brooks' absence. John Luca Busio was called in, but then tested positive for COVID-19, uh, so he was dropped. Okay, so that list dropped on Friday right about 4 p.m. Eastern time. We'll leave John Brooks to the side for now, but Taylor, when you first saw that list, it could be somebody mm -hmm. that was included in it or somebody that was left off it. What was your biggest surprise? Right away, I looked at it and said, where's Busio? Where's Joe Scali? Now, naturally, mm. it comes out that Joe Scali's just getting over COVID and Busio got COVID. So that went aside. John Brooks, naturally, we all look at. But you're asking me, what was my first thought? And by the way, guys, Happy New Year. Haven't seen mm -hmm. you in 2022 yet. I look at that list, and you guys have heard my constant theme from this. And I look at where's plan B at the number nine position? Mm. Where is it? Because if you've got to chase a game in the wintertime, because here we go, we're going to Columbus, we're going to Hamilton, uh, Ontario, and we're going to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And if the game's ugly, and if the game's scrappy, do you have a plan B? Do you have an option 
to play ugly? Do you have an option to play direct and play off of it, whether it's DK, whether it's PFALK, and even to a certain extent, Josh Sargent? And I'm not being a prisoner of the moment where Sargent just scoring two goals for Norwich. I'm saying in general, this team, when I look at that roster and I see the front line and Herc, you played the position. I see a lot of the same type of players. Now, I know they're different in way it may be quick, and Polisic is a little tricky and comes inside. I get all that. But what I'm trying to say is, plan B, you got to play ugly. You got to scrappy. You got to go get a result in cold weather where the game might not be there. How are you going to be able to do that? Now, Zardes is that option behind Pepe. Pepe hasn't scored a goal in over 650 minutes, and so I'm not even so sure that Pepe starts if not for Zardes. But my question is, Herc, when I see that roster, is there a plan B? And right now, from the same moment that roster came out to right now, I look at it and say, I'm not so sure there is. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not so sure if I want to say that Greg Berhalter doesn't see Giassi Zardes as his plan A at some point in this window, mm. and I think you're right about that. He's proven that mm-hmm. he goes to Giassi a lot, but you're right about Pepe. Pepe's going on 11 games if we're going to count club and country, two different clubs, FC Dallas and Osberg and the national team, where he's not found the back of the net. So that plan B, a different type of player, a Dika, a P-Folk, who still, to me, has a place on this team, but hasn't been called in for the second window in a row now. Hmm. That, to me, is a head-scratcher, but you're right. When things go south, where can you go? How can you change it? Because Pepe and Jesse Sardis, to an extent, are similar. In terms of surprises mm-hmm. of, you know, like who's left out, you guys named some big names, right? Joe Scally, it's a pretty obvious one. Josh Sargent. Um, I think if he scores those goals maybe a week or two in advance, it might change it. He scored them about 30 minutes too late. <laughs> yep. um, George Bellow's another one that I thought might have been in. Uh, but, of course, with the transfer situation, maybe linked to Watford, that, that, might be, that might be factoring in there. But the, the Jordan Pifak one to me here. I mean, this guy's got 16 goals yeah. across all competitions in 30 games. Like, if that's not form... What is like if you're Jordan Peefock, you got to sit here and say, like, I don't know what more I can do to get called in, especially when you look at those other options like a Giassi Zardes and not to pick on Zardes, but he is an MLS player. And and that was the thing that was for me the biggest surprise that I got when, when this roster dropped was the number Taylor of MLS players, 13 out of 28. 13 is a big yeah. number. It's almost half of the squad, and it's a really big number, Taylor. Yeah. When, you, when you factor into consideration the fact that MLS is in offseason, were you surprised at the amount of MLS players called in? Yeah. I was. I was. And then you start to honestly think about the COVID situation. That is the one thing you can control, though, because you've known where those 13 guys have been this Mm -hmm. entire time. And so I think that is a massive, massive factor into this set, because naturally, I think when all of us left Cincinnati and then we watched the Jamaica game and you started to forecast what this is going to look like in early 2022, you're thinking to yourself, well, there can't be a ton of MLS guys because they're going to be in an offseason. They're not going to be match fit. You've also got the guys that have had winter breaks like the Brendan Aronsons of the world. Timothy Way is not completely fit. And so I looked at it and said, it's pretty much going to be a roster of players that are playing regularly. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. And COVID hit hard across the world. And I think U.S. soccer, Greg Berhalter in particular, looked at it and said, I can, can control as best as I can, knowing where those players are coming from, can control their fitness. But I think in 
the three games, Herc, you're going to get a mismatch of, uh, of lineups because I think match fitness is going to be a huge concern for Burhalter and his crew. Mm. Absolutely, and it has to be the COVID situation if you think about it because it's nothing else. If, if the simple reason of you can babysit the players and, and keep them in a controlled environment uh, has to be the only reason because if we look at the first game of World Cup qualifying, only six Major League Soccer players on the roster against El Salvador. Only one played, by the way, or started, excuse me, and that was Matt Turner in goal. Uh, you look at these players, you look at this squad, you have to go back and say, all right, these Major League Soccer players, MLS Cup, when was it? Wait a second, only Sean Johnson out of this mm. team played in MLS Cup. Then go back, yep. conference yep. finals, we're talking about the last week of November. That's over 50 days they've not had a competitive match. You're at a disadvantage if you're going to count heavily on players of Major League Soccer that have gone 50-plus days uh, with no matches. So, yeah, if we're talking about form, in-game sharpness, that is a huge concern. COVID, another. It tells me that, that those January camp was really heavily weighted, guys. We used to laugh at January camps. But you look at a guy like, like Brooks Lennon or Jordan Morris. I mean, Brooks Lennon, different situation, coming off a great season with Atlanta, but not a track record with the national team. Jordan Morris, I mean, not mm -hmm. a track record last year because of injury. So these guys must have really blown the doors off that January camp, uh, which in the past hasn't had that weight. But clearly here it seems to for Greg Berhalter. Go ahead. Go ahead, Taylor. It, it has, but Seb, I, I, I remind all the viewers, if you go back to January camps, camps excuse me, in World Cup years, it's a different entity. DeMarcus Beasley, Pablo Mastrani made the 2002 World Cup based in January. Jimmy Conrad in 2006. Brian Ching, to a certain extent, in 2006. 2010. You can go through each roster, and Herc, you know this better than anyone, you can get hot at the right time, and all of a sudden you're played into the picture. January camps in World Cup years have a little extra more to them. Now, it's different because this World Cup it's not for another six, seven months, and it's not till the winter time when traditionally you're trying to get ready for May and then playing games in June. But January camps and World Cup years, there's always a little extra caveat, a little carrot at the end where I think you get a little bit more from players. And so to your point, Seb, yeah, you did get a couple surprise picks because I think they showed up fitting up to the challenge. Zero January camps on my part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we beat around the bush enough. Let's get to, to the big topic that a lot of U.S. fans were really wondering about when this roster dropped. Where is John Brooks? Before I hear from you, gentlemen, let's hear from the man that made the decision. Here's Greg Berhalter on where is John Brooks? There's absolutely nothing beyond form with John. Um, we think that, you know, he, he has the opportunity to play a role with us in the future for this window. We decided based on, on how we're looking at these games and what are the strengths of our opponent that he wouldn't be the best fit for this particular window. Okay, Taylor, uh, what's really going on here between John Brooks, Greg Berhalter, and this national team? Is it just down to form? No, John Brooks was terrible in the first uh, window of World Cup qualifiers. That's what this is. And, and for Greg, he looked at it and said, no, he's a, he doesn't fit into this situation. Even John Brooks understood it with some of his quotes after the first round of World Cup qualifying games. Herc, you and I actually spoke about this as well. He, he wasn't good. He was nowhere near to the level he needed to be at. Now, can Greg Berhalter come out and say that? No. But do I think he could have given a different quote? Yeah, because I would argue the form of John Brooks right now at the end of January of 2022 
has been fairly good. Yeah. And it's been strong. And especially when you look at majority of your players are coming off of an offseason in MLS, that's where you can't, to me, say it's it's just form because, well, well, his form's good in comparison to everyone else. If you come out and say, you know what, he doesn't fit into my plans, Herc, I don't know if we're talking about it right now. But to come out and say the word form, that's where all of us that watch the Bundesliga regularly, particularly the games with the U.S. men's national team players playing a part in it, that's where the present moment, I'm going to disagree with Greg and say, well, his form's been pretty good in Germany, but it wasn't good in World Cup qualifying. So you have every right to say, you know what, he's not my plans. I just don't believe it's form. Wolfsburg is not in form. John Brooks is in form. John Brooks is playing regularly. <laughs> Out of the 20 games that were available for him to play, he only didn't play in three. He started in 15, came on as a sub on the rest. John Brooks is a very good player. He had a bad opening window where he didn't start against El Salvador. He played against Canada, uh, had problems in transition. There was a moment where there was maybe a disagreement between him and Greg on the sideline, and we've not seen him since. Now, Mm -hmm. If he's going to say form, and I will strictly stay with the center backs, well, Mark McKenzie's only played about half the games in Belgium. Uh, Zimmerman and Miles Robinson are coming off a lengthy layoff of 50-plus days. What are we talking about form? I would mm. respect it more if he just said, you know what, not my cup of tea. He's just yeah. not doing it for me. I don't rate him as a player. I don't need him right now. Or there are other players ahead of him. Because we've heard that in the past from U.S. team managers. I respect it a lot more than saying well, it's strictly based off form because it's clearly not. It's crazy to think that there's a, there's a guy who was starting in the Champions League and there are four center back candidates that the U.S. men's national team head coach thinks are ahead of him. Yep. Um, but that's really the case that, that Greg Berhalter is making on form right now. I always think with the center back position, experience matters. If you look at the other four guys called up, you add all their caps it together. Does. It's basically what Brooks has. So, um, you know, you can say whatever you want about Brooks' play, but, but I think there's some, there's some value in that experience. Guys, since we are talking about form, um, let's stay on that. Now, I think if we ask who's, who's the American right now in the best form, there wouldn't be much of a topic. There wouldn't be much of a debate, right? It's, it's Weston McKinney across the board. But there are some players in this American mm -hmm. pool, important mm -hmm. ones at that, guys, who, who are not coming in hot. I'm thinking about guys like, like a Ricardo Pepe, maybe a, a Christian Pulisic, maybe a Serginho Dest. Of those names, Taylor, who are you most worried about heading into this window? That's a really good question. Uh, that's a really good question because I, I look at the lack of true depth in the fullback position, and everyone's going to say they've got depth, but at that high end, Serginho Des, when he's playing at his level, he gives you a different element. I look at Ricardo Pepe up front. You brought him up. When you've got a nine, you can score goals regularly. But guys, it's Christian Pulisic for me. Mm. It, it just is, because when Pulisic is playing free of thought, not worried about injuries, and allowed to be himself and express himself in the final third and to play in areas of the field where he wants to play, not playing as a wingback at times, even though I'll argue playing wingback for Chelsea is better than not playing at all. My point is, the United States men's national team needs Christian Pulisic operating at a high, high level if they're going to do anything. 
because Giovanni Reina is going to come back healthy. Timothy Way is going to be a great option. Brendan Aronson's a fantastic option. But Christian Pulisic is the guy. And if he's not operating at the level that we saw at the end of 2018 World Cup qualifying when he was playing at a high, high level, even 12 months ago when he was playing and then got injured in the FA Cup final where he was playing really well for Chelsea over two months, Herc, I don't think there's any – I don't even think there's a debate. If Christian Pulisic is not operating at a high level, the United States have, has a real issue. Yeah, I, I, I'll concede about the U.S. having an issue if Christian Pulisic's not operating at a high level. I don't know if it's form – his form heading into this is really an issue. He's played over 800, almost 900 minutes in 15-plus games in yep. the last two months. So, so maybe him not playing last game, getting a break, is a bit of you know a relief to me. I'm more worried about his health because he's not proven to be durable. But mm. heading into this window – I'd have to go with a player like Serginho Dest. Like, that's who form really worries me because, Taylor, you, you just touched on this. When he's in his optimal form, nobody can touch him in that defensive line. He's the best fullback you have. He's no. so dangerous on the wings. He's so dangerous incorporating himself into the attack. But he's going off injuries, COVID, and a shot of confidence from Xavi. Xavi just destroyed his mm. confidence. I mean, I'm more worried about what he's going to be like when he gets into camp. He's not played regularly. And, and everything we've heard out of the Catalan press, Xavi has just completely shot him down. Any sort of confidence that he does have, I want to see what it's like heading into this window. He's the player I'm worried about when it comes to form. Look, man, Des, Des is going to start. So I, I think maybe there's a form question there. Maybe he's not playing his best, but it's not like Greg Berhalter has a ton of other options. You're going to start Sergio Des. And same with Pulisic, man. And I, I hear Taylor's point on Pulisic. He, he has been playing consistently, but it's been very stop-start. And Herc, you and I have had some moments in our production meetings where you're screaming at the top of your lungs about what Thomas Tuchel is doing to Christian Pulisic's confidence, what he's doing to him as a player. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there is a good case, but I think you're both wrong, man. Yep. To go oh, back okay. to what we talked about earlier, <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be Ricardo Pepe just because of the, the lack of other options. Like Jesus Ferreira, not a real number nine. Um, Jordan Morris, not not a not a true number nine. If you so the only real other option there is Giassi Zardes. I think Taylor you said this his last goals were October 16th that's three months ago against inner Miami like Ricardo Pepe's mm -hmm. form is a concern to me because it's not great and because he's not even getting what we always talk about with forwards you say oh well if he's getting chances and not finishing we don't worry right. we don't worry because it, it'll come back with Augsburg what have we seen Taylor we've not seen him get enough chances we've not seen him get enough opportunities to really know that he's coming in hot no, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I don't think Lewandowski is going to get any chances playing for Augsburg, but that's a different conversation. The truth is, you are, you're right, Seb. You're 100% right. The fact is, Ricardo Pepe is 19. And for me, any goal scorer goes through some kind of growth where you sit there and you hit a wall. He's changing countries. He's changing cultures. He had to make a big decision that started at the beginning of November. Everyone on the outside didn't know this, but he started to have to make these conversations and decisions about where he wanted to go. He surprised everyone on the outside, including myself, that he chose Augsburg. So I look at that and say, yeah, but I, I lean more towards Dest if you guys mm. are asking me between Dest and Pepe because Dest is going to be playing in cold weather. His confidence is shot. He hates to defend. Now, in saying that, El Salvador and Honduras, more often than not, you're going to have possession, so that works in Dest's favor. 
but he he really doesn't want to defend, and so he's got a real confidence issue. Now, he's the kind of player, all truth be told, that could show up and score a banger from 25 yards mm -hmm. and look yeah. at everyone and be like, put the fingers up and say, shoot, I've got this under control. He's also the other one that could lose his mark, and El Salvador's up 1-0 15 minutes into the game in Columbus, and everybody's looking around going, why'd you play him? There is a wild card factor there with Dest with his form being in question. I will be brief. Dest, his worst game in a U.S. uniform, first game against El Salvador in El Salvador where he played left back. He was physically outmatched. Yeah, it was. When it comes to Pepe, confidence is key, and you know this, Taylor. As a nine, I'm very interested because he's a very confident kid on how that will be tested in this window. Uh, let's talk venue then, guys, as we always seem to do when it comes to U.S., home World Cup qualifiers. I'll put on my meteorologist cap for just a second. <laughs> uh, Thursday, the high 33, a low of two degrees uh, Fahrenheit. It's gonna be cloudy, but it is maybe most importantly gonna be dry. There was some snow in Columbus today. Looks like there might be some snow on yeah. Friday, but on Thursday, uh, it won't be snowing. So Taylor, is, is this the right choice by the US Soccer Federation? Does this actually give the United States an advantage over El Salvador? Listen, you guys saw my tweet. You guys have heard me behind closed doors. I was very critical and still am to a certain extent of why you would do this because I think it evens the playing field when you go to the extreme levels that the weather is going to be in both Columbus and Minneapolis. Now, in saying that, Columbus has turned the corner a little bit. So at kickoff, it's going to be 26 degrees. The United States played Costa Rica in 2001 in a 2002 World Cup qualifier on February 28th, and the weather was 26 degrees. I did a little digging, though, because in my mind, I looked at this and said, you can play a little bit more south and not have to worry about it, whether it's Nashville, whether it's Kansas City, whether it's even to a certain extent Austin. And there's a lot of conversation within U.S. circles about travel. Well, that digging, they couldn't play in Nashville because of the NFL, although the Titans lost to the Bengals, which no one expected. But that field they didn't trust in cold weather because they already have been there and the field's not good enough. Sporting Kansas City Stadium. The heating isn't working currently, so they couldn't host. So when they really looked at it, it all came down to travel. And Herc, you've done it, I've done it, we've all done it. To play in Seattle, to play in Portland with the 13 European guys, I get the decision. I just still am mind-boggled a little bit that you want to even the playing field when it's five degrees or 12 degrees, I think they're gonna luck out in Columbus and it's gonna be 26, but that Minneapolis, I've looked at the forecast, at kickoff, it is five degrees as of right now. Five, that's not what it feels like, that's what the temperature is. I think that evens the playing field in my opinion, although we all know nobody from Honduras wants to play in that either. <laughs> but are we really going to level the playing field for them? Are we so worried about the El Salvadorian fan base, the Honduran fan base, that we got to take them to these places where there's going to be less of their fans? Are we so worried about the style of play that Honduras or El Salvador plays, the U.S., I mean, uh, that, that you're going to level the playing field for them? This is like promotion relegation. When you see any league where there's a dogfight in promotion relegation, the teams in lower standing that fight promotion, that fight mm. not to be relegated, have the uglier fields, the higher grass, ha have the, st the pitches that are all messed up. Anything they can do to level the playing field against the better teams. Bring them down to us. Mm. That is what essentially the U.S. Men's National Team is doing. They are bringing them down to them. This is what El Salvador or Honduras wants. They want the U.S. not to be able to play smoothly, not to be able to play quick, not to be able to play the way they can play in transition. Level the playing field, and they gave it to them. 
Doesn't worry me so much against El Salvador. I don't think they can hit a top speed and, and, and run past the U.S. Against Honduras in Minneapolis, if that thing gets ugly, watch out. Because Honduras can be direct, and they may yeah. actually prefer to Kyoto, be direct. Kyoto, Ellis, Kyoto, Lozano, yep. all those guys. Yep. Uh, that, could be, that could be a big problem. All right, brass tax time, brass tax time. Uh, let's get a point total for this window. Taylor, what is your expectation for mm -hmm. what the U.S. will take away from these three games? At the minimum, they have to get seven points. At the minimum. And especially with the way the Canada home game for them, so United mm -hmm. States playing away, has now turned out for the United States. And the, the players that are going to be missing, it's not going to be a full stadium. And listen, that's not I'm not being disrespectful to the 13,000 Canadian fans that are going to show up. But the point is, it's a lot better than what could be there. And so, at the minimum, that's a point. And you got to win your two home games. It has to be seven, if not nine. But in my opinion, at the minimum, has to be seven points out of this window. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, El Salvador is a team that's beaten you once in its history. And that was a friendly, like, in 1992. Honduras is another team that you essentially dominate at home. So there are two home games, six points. Canada signs the Christian Pulisic flu game. I mean, they've not been used since, what, 1968? Mm. So this is a game, even though it's on turf, you would expect a result. No, Alfonso Davies, very big there. Estacchio could be out for that game as well. Mm -hmm. Let's go with the point. Seven is the minimum. Mm. No Davies. No Ustakio, half attendance. I would have thought you guys would have said nine points that the U.S. would be uh, would be favored there in Canada, mm. but both say seven. So we finally they're have playing on concrete, Seb. They're playing on concrete. <laughs> so seven points, seven points. Uh, we'll lower the bar just that little bit. All right, there he is, Taylor Twelman. He will be on the call with John Champion Thursday night from Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, as the U.S. faces off against El Salvador in World Cup qualifying. Taylor, great as always to have you with us. There you see it. We can watch the game on ESPN Plus or ESPN2, but we will see you. Football America's live post game from Columbus, Ohio. All right, Herc, time to run it back, shall we? Josh Sargent style. What a day on Friday. Scored not once, but twice. His first, a Puskas contender. Oh, ridiculous piece of skill. Regardless if it's just reaction, look at that. These are things you try in the training ground. Rarely can you pull it off. He pulled it off in the Premier League and his first goal to boot. Yeah, speaking of St. Louis legends, we went from one to another there. Taylor Twelman to Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent's second goal taken in the 74th and, and her taken really well. This is a nines goal. Look at the time the cross is taken. Where he's at? He's outside the box. Anticipation and then finishes it off. A very beautiful goal. This is what I want for my nine. Two goals for Sargent. Same month that he becomes a father for the first time. So uh, a big time in the life of young Josh Sargent, who scores uh, twice as Norwich get a big win. 3-0 over Watford. Three huge points that pull Norwich out of the relegation zone. And after the game, uh, you can imagine, both Josh Sargent and the Norwich fans were very happy. You haven't scored in 18 Premier League games before today. You wasted for an important game to find your scoring boots, didn't you? Six points uh, is huge from two games, you know, and uh, like
like I said, we're going to try to take this confidence into the next game. The fans are celebrating as if you've stayed up already. Do you have a message for your fans? They've been absolutely unbelievable tonight. Yeah, they're amazing tonight. They're amazing every game. And uh, we're going to continue to need their support for the next one. So. So we know that hindsight, my good friend, is 2020. Those goals, of course, for Josh Sargent coming, what, about half an hour after Greg <laughs> Berhalter and the U.S. Soccer Federation had dropped the roster for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers. Was it a mistake? Should Josh Sargent have been called in? I don't know about mistake because form obviously is relative, right? And he wasn't scoring goals. He was also playing as a right winger. So you can see why he wasn't being called in regularly. I will say this, and this is no secret, and I will repeat it, and I will keep repeating it. Uh, until you get tired of it. And then I won't care and repeat it again. Josh Sargent is the best nine in my eyes in this pool. He's the most complete player. He's deceptively fast. He's deceptively big. You look at him, you don't realize how big the kid is, and he's smooth. He's a player that also has all the tools to succeed. What was he missing? And this is Schalke. This is the U.S. Men's National. This is now in Norwich. He was missing the goals. He was missing mm. that confidence to his play. Well, he Can got he keep him. it up? That's he the question. In the Can Premier he keep it up? And Can that's he keep what he needs to do exactly but guess what he's scoring goals guess what Pepe right now isn't scoring goals and Pepe's young he's 19 but Josh Sargent's like 21 and he's doing it at the Premier League and he's doing it at the right time I will remind you <laughs> U.S. Men's National versus El Salvador okay the first game of World Cup qualifying Josh Sargent was starting nine the build-up to World Cup qualifying. Josh Sargent was a starting nine for Greg Berhalter. If he's scoring goals at the Premier League level, there is no way Greg Berhalter leaves him off the U.S. men's national team. But you're right, he's got to keep it up. But this confidence, and maybe it's fatherhood, because that, that does change a person. It does change a player. If he can continue this, this is a good thing for the U.S. men's national team. Sargent then on the score sheet, but not on the roster. One player who was on the score sheet, but also included in the roster, Yunus Musa of Valencia, who scored in a wild game, wild game, uh, between Valencia and Atletico Madrid, hurt the banger from distance. <laughs> That's my man, Yunus! That's my man, Yunus! That's what you want to see! Leading up into a window is Yunus Musa, part of the MMA midfield. That's right. That's right. McKinney Adams Musa MMA! Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
All right, let's transition to L3 and the reports around the manager. Gerardo Tata Martino. According to Gibran Araige of Tudene, there was a closed-door meeting between Tata and Mexico's players after that 2-1 defeat to Canada in November. November. Now, during this meeting, Herc, Martino reportedly offered to step aside if the players weren't on board with his project. Apparently, the players did respond positively because Tata Martino is still in charge, as we know, of the Mexican national team. So, uh, the first of today's three questions, then, uh, is this. Is this report, Herc, something, nothing, or everything as it pertains to Tata Martino and his future or his present with the Mexican national? Oh, it's everything. As if there weren't already a lot of questions or doubts swirling around Tata Martino. This is Tata Martino essentially giving the players an ultimatum. Oh, okay. I'm the problem? If I'm the problem, if you guys aren't going to play well because of me, if that's the way we feel, I will step aside if I'm the problem. This is a huge moment. Now, we don't know what was said or if anything was said by the players. Apparently, not enough to make him feel he had to step away, but this is massive. This is pretty much Tata Martino calling out his players when maybe he should be pointing the finger directly at himself as well because he's the guy who chooses the players. He's the guy who chooses the tactics. He chooses the adjustments. He's got a lot of blame in this as well, but all things point like there was a coming together of the minds, if you will, mm -hmm. and it was a real uh, powwow meeting of the... Of the uh, uh, I wonder, I wonder what, Herc, I wonder what the players are supposed to say, right? If your manager comes in and says, hey, uh, I'm thinking about leaving, what do you guys think? Like, if you raise your hand and you say, yeah, you should go, and then he changes his mind, come on, you know, what are, what are the players really supposed to say in that situation? I'll tell you this, Herc, if I want a job, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not going around asking other people if I should stay in it. This sounds to me like a guy who doesn't want to be there. And that's the real big concern for me uh, if you're looking at this from the perspective mm. of a fan of the Mexican national team. I want a coach that's committed, that wants to be there, that isn't asking the players whether he should stick around. The other thing I would question is, what does this tell you if you're a player? Like, if I'm a player with the Mexican national team right now, I need somebody who's solid. You know, uh, the coach coming in after a tough defeat in Canada when we're all cold and freezing and saying, guys, you think I should stick around? That doesn't give me something solid to hold on to and what is a storm for the Mexican national team player. This is a, a, a really extremely concerning report that's come out of Mexico. Okay, let me say. play devil's advocate for a second. What if he's just trying to motivate his players? No. Light a fire under would that those motivate players. You? Would that motivate you as a player? You've been in locker rooms. If the coach comes in and says, hey, guys, I'm going to leave unless you want me to stay. Did that, did that make you play harder the next well, week? You're, you're sugarcoating it. Or you're, 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 you're a little off track there. He's not saying, I'm going to leave unless you want me to stay. What he's saying is, if I'm the problem, I will leave. I think he's pointing the finger directly at the players. If that's not going to motivate you, mm. if that's not going to motivate you to prove him wrong or to do something about your circumstances, I don't know what will. Okay, so if you thought that that news wasn't bad enough for Mexico leading into this window, how about this news, Herc, about their star forward, Raul Jimenez, who's been called up, but there are now reports he won't be able to play because of a calf injury. Now, Jimenez did not play on Saturday for Wolves against Brentford. ESPN is reporting that Raul will make the trip despite what they are calling minimal possibilities uh, of him playing. All right, so Herc, first things first. Who's the replacement? Because you don't have Raul Jimenez anymore. Yeah, uh, traveling for that? That seems unnecessary. But it's got to be Rogelio Funes Mori. That's what he's there for. Don't mm. put Alexis Vega there. He's not even a nine. Henry Martin, 
I don't know if you want to trust him in that position. America doesn't trust him in that position. Rogelio Funes Mori is the insurance policy for Raul Jimenez. That's why Tata Martino calls him up. That's why mm. Tata Martino spoke to him about coming to the Mexican national team. He's the insurance policy. It's not an exact like for like, but it's the closest you can get out of the players you have in set pool in this roster. In yeah, this roster. that's what it is. That's what it is, right? Maybe it's the guys that are not in this roster that we yeah, should be Chiquito talking about. Jimenez, now. Santiago Jimenez is, is is a very good player, probably a lot closer to Raúl Jimenez than Rogelio or Henry. But of what you have, it's Rogelio, and you mm. better play him these two games because he might leave before the third game with. The Club World Cup for Monterrey around the corner. Yep, you better play him and he better score because no Raul Jimenez, Rogelio Funes Mori not scoring. You know what the fans are going to want. The fans are going to start screaming Don't louder and louder it. for Don't Chicharito. Oh, and you know the pressure that Tata Martino is under right now. That could be just, just the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You think I'm crazy, but I'm not. You crazy, not. man. Um, all right, so uh, let's move on to our third question here. No Raul Jimenez. We know Chucky Lozano is suspended for the game against Jamaica as well. So as we focus in on Kingston on Thursday, the question, Herc, is this. Are Mexico favorites to win away to Jamaica without Chucky Lozano, without Raul Jimenez? Ah, favorites? I don't know. Uh, Jamaica looks better the last few games. A new coach, you know what they say? El técnico que debuta, Coach Today's View, is a team uh -huh. that wins, so that could be in their favor as well. Mikel Antonio is looking mighty, mighty well, and there's no Chucky Lozano, who's a dangerous threat. Raul Jimenez, who's pretty much your playmaker, if you will, pulling the strings in that nine position. And I will tell you this, the last four cycles, okay, that Jamaica and Mexico have faced each other, World Cup cycles, Jamaica has always taken points off Mexico. They've only failed to do it once. Mm. Once, and that was, I believe, 2001, that 2002 cycle. So if that tells us anything, is they can be due right now, and you know what it's like for the Mexican public and the Mexican press. If they don't get three points in this first game, it's going to be labeled a fracaso because they're the first one to play. Everybody else will know what has happened. All the other teams, all the other teams will know what's coming up next. Mexico mm -hmm. will go into this blindly thinking they need three points. God, I don't even know if they'd be favorites with Raul and with Chucky. I mean, just based on form, based on how they played in the last couple games, based on the first meeting at Azteca. Remember how dangerous yeah. Jamaica was last in, minute in, in, in stretches there, right? You need yeah. an 89th-minute golazo from Henry Martin. Otherwise, you're dropping points there at home. So, uh, look, it's always a, a tricky trip to the office. It's always a tricky trip, uh, not just for Mexico, for everybody in CONCACAF, but this one uh, certainly a concern uh, for Mexico without Raul Jimenez and Chucky Lozano. Now, one player that they will have, Tecatito. Let's run it back with what he's been doing since joining Sevilla, getting his first assist in La Liga play this past weekend in a match that they drew 2-2 against assist? Celta de Vigo. This you, was like a, an all-Mexican affair. Did you call it an assist? I called it an assist, yeah. Are you gonna, is it going to be a hockey assist? Look at this. Go ahead, Papu. Go ahead, over two players. Left-footed deflection finish. Go ahead. There's your assist. Hey, you'll take it. Yeah, you know what? We've given so many people this assist, so I got no issue with Tecatito. He's been one of the most dangerous players for Sevilla since he's come on. The few minutes he has played, he's been very, very dangerous. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, Herc, time to continue our focus on Thursday's showdown between the United States and El Salvador in Columbus. Although now let's do it from the visitor's perspective. And nobody better to give us that perspective than the one and only Hugo Perez. He is, of course, in charge of the Salvadoran national team, former U.S. men's national team representative as well, represented the U.S. at both the Olympics and the World Cup. Hugo, great to have you back on Football Americas. Well, it's good to be back here in the United States. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> Even though the weather is a little bit crazy here, but um, thanks uh, for having me here in, in your show today. I noticed you said, uh, well, great, great to be back in the United States. You didn't specifically say Columbus, which is where you are. Now, I'm not going to lie. I, like you, was, was watching what the U.S. Soccer Federation would do. I would say, come on, send us to Orlando. Send us somewhere warm. It's January. Uh, and yet you see where they chose to play this game, Columbus, Ohio, in late January. What was your reaction to that? Normal, to be honest with you. I think every... Every federation has their own ideas of what they need to take advantage of. Um, they feel that maybe the cold is not good for us. I don't know. Um, but at the end, you know, uh, they're going to be cold. We're going to be cold. We just going to have to adjust and get warmed up uh, as soon as possible. Hugo, how do you think the cold weather will impact the game? I remember playing the Snow Classico, and it was a March game in Colorado, and it was difficult for the ball to advance. Uh, what kind of advantage, if any, do you think the U.S. feels they gain with this? And this, well, this is the weird thing because my understanding is that Columbus uh, Stadium has a heater under the uh, the grass. I don't know if it's true. It is. If that's if that's the case, then. Uh, the only thing that could affect you would be the windshield, but I don't know how cold it's going to be on Thursday. Other than that, if the field is good, uh, I think you can play. Hmm. I wonder big picture here. You know, I know we're focused on the game Thursday, but <laughs> give us kind of a, a state of the union of where you feel your team is and how this qualification campaign has gone. Right now, I think you're, you're eight points out of that fourth spot. You're in seventh place. Uh, how do you feel about the group and what you've achieved to this point? Well, I think we knew uh, when, when we took the teams eight months ago that um, our first priority was to qualify to the octagonal. Okay, we had been struggling for for months, and um, once we got in there, we knew that um, it was going to be a big test for us. We haven't we hadn't had uh, success in the past years, and you know, um, in my case. Um, Basically, when I came in was for 2026, but due to the circumstances of uh, the Los Cobos wanted it to quit and I had taken the under 23, they asked me to take it and I took that challenge. And now uh, with the half of the games gone, I can tell you that understandings, I don't think um, it's good for us to be there, but my understanding also, as I saw most of the teams now in front of us, uh, obviously uh, they have good players. Uh, their programs have been working for some time now, and we're just starting to 
um, get ourselves back together on our feet. And it was not going to be easy. I mean, we got into Octagono, and, and honestly, as a competitor, of course, you want to go to the World Cup. There's no question about that. And right now, at the moment, we're in seventh place. Uh, six games to go. Obviously, it's going to be hard because we have four on, on the road and two at home. But um, anything can happen in football. And we're not, I, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, we're not coming here to the United States to, to just give three points. Honestly, we're not. I think we have something to prove for ourselves, for our country, for our people. Okay. Um, is it going to be tough? Yeah. I mean, the U.S. is one of the top teams in, in CONCACAF. That's why they're in that place. They're close to, uh, I would think they're close to uh, qualifying for the World Cup. But um, as far as we are concerned, uh, I think it's going to be important for our players also to see where they're at. And I think the positive thing of, of all this is, apart from the competition, has been the awakening of what our country can look up to in the future if we continue and I, and I want to be clear with this if we continue with the vision and what we've done so far to improve it because we have a lot of work to do towards 2026 but I think we're in the uh, we're taking the right steps but it's going to take some a little bit of more time I mean if you look at our history we haven't qualified what 40 years now that's a lot. That tells you a lot of where our program has been for a lot of years. So the only good thing would be for me is that um, as a Salvadorian coming here to America and, 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 and taking the challenge of growing up here in this country and becoming a professional soccer player here and then playing for the U.S., um, that woke me up in the sense that our players have the capacity to do that, but they need support. They need experience. They need this type of matches. And at the end, hopefully on Thursday, um, we're, we're mentally prepared. I think we had a good game against them the first uh, the game in El Salvador. But you know it's different when you play home and away. Uh, but uh, I think we're in the right. How can I say? We're, we're taking the right steps. Okay. And uh, hopefully we continue to do that. But coming Thursday... Um, we, we got to be ready to go. Um, for us, if, if we lose, basically, I don't know, depending what the other teams do in front of us, it'll be hard to catch in, uh, the fourth place. But, Ugo, given what you've seen in the first game versus the U.S. men's national team and, and the U.S. men's national team in general in World Cup qualifying, where do you feel you can hurt the U.S. men's national team tactically on the field? Look, I don't know if, if you can call that um, whether we feel we can hurt him. I think nowadays all the national teams with the white scout uh, programs, you know, they, they scout everybody um, to the point where you have to see what they do, what they don't like to do, and tactically how they play their systems and all that, players individually. But, Hercules, I think at the end, um, my worry has always been what we can do as we've competed already half of our games to each of the games that are left with the other national teams what we can do to uh play better than what we've done so far um i mean i, I if you ask me what the u.s has they got speed 
Transition-wise, they're very fast. I mean, they can get into three, four passes to the other side. Um, uh, their players have experience. I mean, all those things count. But, you know, when, you, when you're playing against a, a top team like they are, I think the most important thing for our guys, for a national team, is going to be, do we believe we can compete with them? And if we do, we got to show it up. It doesn't matter what the shirt says or if they're in second place of the octagonal. We have to go for it. Mm. Hugo Pérez, should be a great game, a fantastic spectacle there in Columbus. We look forward to seeing you in Ohio. Until then, thanks for being on Football Americas, and please stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. Eh? Good night. Take care. Appreciate it, Hugo. All right, we'll see you in Columbus. We'll also see you in Columbus. Football Americas live from Lower.com Field Thursday night in the aftermath of the United States against El Salvador. We'll be bringing you that post-game coverage right here on ESPN+. Run it back to the women's game. Huge game in the Women's Super League in England this weekend. First place, Whoop. Arsenal against Man City. Tobin Heathert with the stoppage time equalizer. Oh, the producer's happy. The producer's happy over City. Nice little left-footed finish. How about the Meg before that? But the finish is sweet and a Meg. Arsenal stretching their lead atop the league to two points over second place Manchester United, which of course, you know, is Tobin Heath's former team. She Believes Cup coming up in February. First game for the United States. February 17th, mark your calendars. They'll be facing off against the Czech Republic, that one on ESPN. I'll be calling it from out there in Los Angeles. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. La jornada 3 del clausura 2022. Lindo, lindo zurdazo de Rogelio Funes Mori para el 2 a 1. La tiene Barbosa, cañonazo. A ver este Le va a pegar el francés desde el punto penal. Gol. Gol. Okay, Herc, another week of action in Liga MX. In time for the latest installment of Calm or Alarm here on mm. Football Américas Edición Jornada 3. That's right. Three games into the season. Two games in for some teams, and we're already about oh, to sound some panic alarms. Let's start with Club América. They lost 2-0 against Atlas on Sunday, and they did so at home, Herc. A result that drops them to 14th in the table. Las Aguilas winless through their first two games of the season. Is it time for calm, or is it time for alarm for Santiago Solari and company, Herc? Alarm, Sebi, alarm. This is the same team that was it 73 points in a calendar year a league record that's what they said 73 points in a calendar year for Santiago Solari's men regular season they do so well but guess what two games Puebla 
and Atlas. Yes, Puebla and Atlas. And they're in 14th place. And in both games, they've received the red. Now, mm. this is the same team, okay, with some players. And we're talking about Solari and the ownership. They've given them something to play with. Think about this. Linus, Reyes, Fidalgo, Aquino, Jonah, Zendejas, Valdez, uh, Jorge Y los Mere. goles de donde? And where are the goals coming from? Hold, hold on, hold on. So, so why could they do it back then, a year ago, not even a year ago, months ago, but can't do it now? You know what the worst thing is? They've not won since October. Mm. They, if we got to go back to last season, they've not won since October, Seb. This is alarm because it's America. This is alarm because it's Solari. Because if there's one thing he does right, it's league play. And they're not. I want to say calm. I want to say calm. Because if you watch this game, man, Camilo Vargas was incredible. Yeah. America has 15 shots, and, yeah. and he had a worldy performance. And if, you saw, and if you saw some of the goals, uh, there were some worldies in this game, too. So I want to say calm, but you know me, man. I'm an alarmista at heart. And if my America-loving ways tell you anything, I am alarmed at the current situation. I'm alarmed at the results. I'm alarmed at how they're playing. And, Herc, to the point you brought up very quickly, the red cards. The red cards. I mean, come on. The basic stuff. Uh, Roger, Vinas, you know, these are guys who even you have Solari, to keep your cool. Even Solari. Yes, even Solari yeah. losing is cool. I mean, it just seems like there's an air of frustration yeah, kind of bubbling, simmering under this team. So I, I'm ready to sound the alarm bells uh, for sure. Okay, uh, let's go from America to their arch rivals in El Clásico Nacional, Chivas, who didn't have as bad of a weekend, uh, but they didn't get the full three points. A 1-1 draw at home against Querétaro, they are 1-1-1. One, one, one. A win, a loss, and a draw through three games played so far on the season. Herc, is it time to panic and sound the alarms? Or do Chivas fans need to be thinking, keep calm and Chivas on? Meh, meh, meh. Stay calm. This is what Chivas has... Stay calm because you have no hope, is what you're saying. Yeah, I've grown accustomed <laughs> to see Chivas this way. And you can say, but it's Querétaro. Guess what, my man? Uh-huh. <laughs> They've not beaten Querétaro in the last five games they played against Querétaro. Guess what? In the last 10 games, they've only beaten them once. So this is like par for the course versus Querétaro. You can see what you want. And also stay calm because last year, Alexis Vega had zero goals. Mm -hmm. Zero assists. This year, in three, in three uh, games, he's already got two goals. Both free kick goals, by the way. It's meh. This is what I've grown mm. to see from Chivas. So I'm not too freaked out by it. Uh, Michelle Leano after the game said, hey, if we would have just had five more minutes, if we would have only just had five more minutes, we could have won this game. This is, of course, the same manager who said, hey, no more could have, would have, should have. No more could have, would have, should have here at Chivas. So uh, an interesting five change in the, the dialogue. Five more minutes the first half, he said, which is even worse. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit more interesting uh, change of dialogue there uh, from Michelle yeah. Leano. I'll, I'll say alarm because it's the same thing from Chivas, right? There's mounds of possession in this game. You watch this game, you think, oh, Chivas played well. But at the end, where's the end product? That's what Chivas needs. They don't have it. I'm ready to sound the alarm on Chivas. Let's see if we go three for three on the Sevi Alarmista train today. Up next, Cruz Azul. The Cruz Azuliadas Hercules have returned. Cruz Azul were up 2-0 against Rayado Saturday in Monterrey and gave up not one, but two stoppage time points. And the game ends in a 2-2 draw. Is it? Herc, alarm or calm for Cruz Azul? Calma, calma. Let's not go into oh. Cruz Azuliadas just yet. I honestly think Cruz Azul has the best team team in Liga MX. I think they will perform the best in the regular season. Cruz Azul 
doesn't seem to perform well against Monterrey. What do you mean? They've only beaten <laughs> you think? You think? Hold on. They've only beaten them twice in the last 14 meetings. And if we and this is just league play. If we go back to last season, the second leg of the mm. CCL semifinal, Monterrey dropped four on them. In the regular mm. season, they dropped four on them. So they seem not to play well against Monterrey. The circumstances in this game let it for a Cruz Azulada. I'm not buying that for one second. Monterrey is a very good team. Cruz Azul has a very good team. I think this is an isolated incident. I'm oh. not ready to press the alarm just yet on Cruz Azul. Isolated incident. Isolated incident for Cruz Azul. They finished eighth last year. You mentioned the CONCACAF Champions League. They got embarrassed, embarrassed 4-1. And then on top of that, in the repechaje against Sam Rayados, they got destroyed. They didn't make it to the quarterfinals. These were your champions. You're finally champions after a long time, please. This is not a blip on the radar for Cruz Azul, Herc. This is alarm. This is a full-on alarm that has been going for months now in the Mexican capital. How long, how long does the title last for Cruz Azul fans? How long will well, they not care you, that the team's in eight? Even more than seven months, apparently. Ah, I'm not wow. saying, uh, I'm not saying fire anybody. I'm just saying, hey, we have to apply the standards. Come on. What, what, what standards? They just won a final last season, last year. Excuse me, not last mm, season. Last and year. And Cruz Azul, I just told you, I think they have one of the best teams in Liga MX right now. I really think this is an even even incident. more even more reason for them not to be blowing two goal what's, leads in the span of seven minutes. What's their in record? In the span of seven minutes, what is their record? <laughs> They're undefeated still. Oh, okay, great. We're three games into the season. Two what wins, a, what one a wonderful tie. start. Okay. There you go. And that tie was against a very good Monterrey team, the richest roster in in Liga MX. So settle down, Seb. Okay, in you case you missed it, Jeez. in case you missed it, yeah, we got to get the alarms going here. Uh, in case you missed this, Herc, oh, this will, this will might really upset you. Carlos Gonzalez, ex-Pumas player, caught here singing the Pumas anthem. The only problem is he doesn't play for Pumas anymore, he's playing for Tigres. Herc, you got a problem with it? Nah, it's just a bad look. Look, I'm okay if you don't want to celebrate scoring against your old team. I get it, okay? But in today's era, you have to know there are cameras everywhere. You're going to be caught, you will be judged. Mm -hmm. it's, he's not necessarily killed it for, for Tigres, which is worse. It's just a bad look. Yeah, he said, he, said he didn't know he was going to be on camera. Surprise, surprise, right? Yes. Just an internationally televised soccer game. All right. <laughs> All right, so we will be back on Thursday, but Herc won't be in that comfortable Los Angeles studio, and I won't be here in a closet in Washington, D.C. No, we will be at Lower.com Field, Columbus, Ohio, for the United States against El Salvador. Post-game coverage live right here on ESPN+. Plus. Do not miss it Thursday night. Herc, what you wearing? What is that, soccer ball? I remember that. Is that NASL? Yeah. 83, bro. Good wow. year, 83. Is it a high school year?